0: ghouls, ghasts, and other assorted creatures of the night, Um, this is Alyssa here just checking in to uh, basically give you a quick bit of info about the episode you're about to listen to. Um, We're counting this one as episode zero because it's kind of outside the normal format of what we're trying to do where we would usually take a movie or um, some other piece of Dracula related pop culture and kind of review it and explore it and its place in things. This time we're going to be doing that with the actual book Dracula. And so we're going to be talking about some of the sort of vampire myths and, um, you know, the plot of the book and kind of placing it in time and space. And it's got definitely a more informative bent than, um, we're usually going to have. So, um, if you feel like you're super well versed in Dracula and in vampires, this is going to be like a little bit of rehash. Um, So you're definitely welcome to skip straight to episode one, which is why we kind of made that one episode one. Um, But otherwise, you know, if you have an hour to kill, even if you do know everything about vampires and you want to hang out with us, like feel free to join us. Um, The usual disclaimer also applies, which is that, you know, Dracula is inherently sort of about a lot of violent and sexual kind of topics and so we're going to be covering a lot of that stuff and we're also probably going to be using a lot of foul language because that's just kind of the people that we are so um you know maybe find another family friendly show to listen to if you're going to be listening with your family but otherwise um you know strap in and enjoy thanks for joining us Crawl to they've done to me. Uh, The Children of the Night. What sweet music they make. Uh, Welcome to our podcast. It's called The Children of the Night and it's about Dracula and um, my name is Alyssa and I love Dracula. I have with me my lovely and enchanting co-host, would you care to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Juniper, also a little obsessed with the vampires. And um, today's episode is actually going to be um, episode zero, I think is, is kind of the, the direction that we're going with this. Um, we had originally recorded a like four and a half hour first episode um, where we tried to tackle kind of a lot of stuff. It was an epic Yeah, and we did it in, um, in, like, poetic form. Like, we had a loop player in, and Mm -hmm. everything rhymed, and there was, like, meter to it, um, which was nice, but, um, uh, unfortunately, we made, um, a pretty rookie mistake when we recorded it, and I say we, like, and I feel like you know, you're being very gracious for allowing me to loop you in on this as though you did it, but I left... I didn't tell you not to do it. (laughs) I left my phone right on top (laughs) of, like, a bunch of the recording stuff, and so we got all this crazy cell phone interference. So we're taking another crack at it, which is actually, I think, kind of a blessing in disguise, because what we've come to do today is give you a primer on Dracula. So in future episodes, I think it's our intention to review... I use review in loose quotes, but a a Dracula movie, um, and there have been... Um, a few hundred thousand of them, by my estimation, so I feel like we won't run out of material soon, but if we do, we'll move on to Twilight, and um, I feel like that'll be a really fun, uh, really fun romp for everyone who yep. involved. Yeah, there's also the whole Anne Rice, whole universe. Uh, Tom Cruise, two words, Tom Cruise, Lestat, that's three words, but it's, uh, one of them doesn't count. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you which one, I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so normally what we're gonna do is we're gonna watch a, a Dracula movie, and you know these span, you know almost a hundred years at this point, and a lot of them are really bad, and there's a couple probably in there that are pretty good, and we're not gonna discriminate. Um, not at all. Uh, by quality yeah. or by time or by cast <laughs> or any of that, we're gonna check it all out. And, um, to kind of set the stage for that, because a lot of the people that, you know, we've been talking to about doing this project haven't read Dracula, and... So weird, like, how, how? Right, like, how did you... How? Like, how are you, like, an adult who's paying bills and going grocery shopping and shit, and you never, like, no one ever sat you down and was like, this is where the sexual vampire that you know and love yeah. came from. Yeah. I, I didn't, did you read it in school? I don't think it's a school
1: reading kind of I book. I didn't either. And I, I just read it because it's like part of your like primer kit when you're a spooky goth kid. You're yeah, like, for sure. I read it's it like as a you movie get it teenager. Like a a yeah. gift pack.
0: You get yeah, like, black lipstick and like a gift card to Hot Topic. No, was no Hot Topic then. I'm very sure. Old. So you get a copy of Dracula at this age, and, and but I've been surprised to find the number of people who who haven't read it, and um and so we're here to kind of give you a little background on on Dracula and. I think the best place to start is probably kind of just with like vampires in general because Dracula is kind of different from like is. where it all he is starts. the sexy vampire. So like every culture almost has like some form of vampire and like blood sucking wasn't always a part of it, especially in like the really old stuff. Like there were always like kind of these undead creatures, you know, like your friends and family who would come back you know they call it a revenant in like the really old stuff. Like they would come back and it would harass you in whatever way. And uh, and then they there are a lot of ones that like prey on flesh and and like there is kind of the idea of like the psychic vampire that's mm-hmm. just kind of like leeching your life force from you somehow.
1: Yep. And like
0: some of them drink blood, some of them don't. That wasn't like uh that wasn't par for the course for the vampire way back when. But like most of what we think about. Um, for vampire myth and the same stuff that would have influenced bram stoker is like later like 17th 18th century like central and like eastern europe um and so that still doesn't look a lot like dracula like it was like bloated purple corpses that like shambled sexy across at all. the earth I and mean, there's like a lot of talk about their smell
1: somebody must like it but mm, no, <laughs> no and there's always person. um um like gore from the mouth like i think the one that says it like kind of nicely is like oh there might be a trickle of blood at the lips if you open the coffin and a lot of other times it's just kind of i picture just like just, like, sloppy zombie face, which is, like, yeah. just bleh.
0: Yeah, the vampire and the zombie were kind of, like, one in the same through most of the, like, early history. It's just, like, the undead, like, revenant. And, then like, the word vampire was probably around during this time, but it didn't mean, like, the thing that we take it to mean. Um, but there are some, like, elements that are pretty common to the, like, early folklore that was around during that time, and that's the the discoloration, the corpse-like look, um, you know, the bl- blood from the mouth. There's, like, some stuff where, like, they would eat their shroud. Like, if you open the coffin and they had been, like, eating the shroud they were buried in, that was, like, a thing. Um, sometimes there are reports of, like, their nails growing really long or, like, their hair, which was, like, this idea that even though they were buried, this was happening because they weren't quite dead. So when they came back, they'd have these really long nails. Um and it's just not an attractive picture there's like not a lot of talk about velvet and like really good hairdos (laughs) and like even like the ghostly pale like that was not a thing you were purple because you were like a little bit rotten yeah like I i think too
1: many people back then had actually seen corpses and they knew that it like is not a good look whereas today we're like, oh, you're, you're corpse pale because you, like, stuck some chalky white makeup on it. No, you're just painted white. If you're a corpse, you would be nasty and purple and little green maybe. Yeah, for sure. Like, bloated, oh, you would not be looking good. Yeah, it's not a good look. No.
0: Um, so the I, the ideas that they had at the time kind of of, like, where vampires come from is really interesting, too. Because, like, it's not always, like, oh, you got bitten by another vampire like some of the time it was just enough to have been a witch when you were alive or like not a good christian when you were alive and then if you when you die that's just it now you're a vampire and if that's true i have some sexy afterlife to look forward to they made it so easy
1: (laughs) like i am in so in for my (laughs) eternal life as undead
0: and there's some other really easy ways like some of the some some of the tales say that all you had to do was like bury someone who had died, who like you hadn't like treated their wounds. Like if you hadn't cleaned them and you buried them, which makes sense because like why bother cleaning the wounds of someone who's already died from these wounds? But there was an idea that if you did that, they might come back um, as a, as a vampire. And my favorite one that I read about in my travels is that if you have a corpse that you haven't buried yet and an animal jumps over it, especially a cat or a dog, Another. Do you get to be
1: like double vampire if a black cat jumps
0: over you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: oh, so vampired right now? Yes. Yeah. Just...
0: Well, that's actually where Dracula came from. I'm no, I'm lying. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. Um, he came from a fever dream wrought on by too much crab salad. Um, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. That's a good. That's a good tale. Sweet um, mayonnaise sauce. <laughs> ideas like of how you could sort of prevent or fight vampires and a lot of this stuff is like really not consistent but like there was one big idea which was that a vampire you could tell because the body hadn't decomposed the way you would expect it to that was like a big thing like if for whatever reason you dug up this body and it didn't look as rotten as you thought it would at this point that's a vampire and you know it could just be that it was winter or it could be that it was a vampire and like there were um a lot of ideas of how to prevent people from coming back as vampires. Um, you know, holy stuff. That's always the number one. If you just, like, put crosses and communion wafers and holy water everywhere, like, you're probably fine. No one's coming back from that. Um, one of my favorite, favorite ones that I I read about was um, just cutting the tendons in the legs of people that you were afraid of coming back as a vampire (laughs) because not that they won't turn into a vampire but they won't be able to get up and get out of the coffin and come get you so you're safe it's very practical, though. It really is. It's very yeah. practical. And it's, like, quick and easy. You don't have to, like, run around finding all of yeah, this, like, yeah. horsehair and aspen branches. <laughs> Instead, like, just, no. just cut those, cut that Achilles tendon. He ain't going <laughs> to chase you down later. I like, you don't have to get a priest,
1: consecrate some water, waste waste all that holy water. You could be using it. It's wet. I don't know.
0: Or you could just leave a big pile of seeds at the end of the grave. This is my favorite. This one spans across, like, every culture, um, and, 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 like, variations of this can be found in, in Central and in South America, in Asia, especially in China, in India, um, in Europe. Like, this is common for some reason in every vampire myth across the planet, which is that vampires are Rain Man. And <laughs> if you drop a bunch of seeds or you, le- like, spill a sack of rice... Um, at near the grave, the vampire won't be able to come get you because they will have to stop and count all of them, and which makes them,
1: them sort of raid manny or not. Like they can't do it fast. Like they're right, going to spend yeah. all no actually that's a really night good point. They're not savants.
0: Them. They're just compulsive. Yeah, they just have to do it, which yeah. I really identify with yeah for sure it's a weird and it's a weird thing that has nothing to do with their like evilness or their power and it's just like a weird personality quirk and it's like a very strange thing especially to have made it across all these different like cultures independently very weird um maybe real vampires really are maybe it's a real thing i love this i love where we're going into in this in that this has become like Debunking vampires, are they real? Listen to this podcast and you might find out. Um, do you know someone who counts seeds? <laughs> and there's, like, a lot of stuff that's kind of sporadic in a lot of these, like the um, the thing where you have to be invited in. I like that one a lot, too. That shows up sometimes where, like, when the, the first time. It's always mm. just the first time, and then after that they can kind of do what they want. But that, like, shows up a long time. And, like, the method of how you kill a vampire really varies. Like, there are some... There are some versions of these tales where, like, you can just shoot them. That's That's fine. That's easy? Like, that's fine. Um, You can drown them in some of them, which is really easy. because they're already dead, so why would they need to even breathe? Right, right. So, like, these are weird. The staking is the most common one, obviously. And, like, most of the time it's through the heart. But I think there are some where it's through the mouth and some where it's through the stomach. But mostly, like, stake through the heart is a big one and decapitation is the other big one. Some of the time you have to burn the body and some of the time you don't. It's not... Super consistent. Um, this brings me to kind of one of my favorite stories, which is that um, there were these kind of stories where um, people, your dead loved ones, were being a vampire on you, in that they were sucking your life force from you after they had died of like uh, usually of tuberculosis, of consumption, of like something that makes you waste away, mm-hmm. and then when you started to waste away, everyone went like, oh oh, this is because your dead friend or relative is making you, from beyond the grave, waste away. And this was something, there was, like, um, pretty widespread accounts of this through New England, actually, like, way back in the day, which is kind of interesting. Not a lot of the really wacky stuff, except the witches, made it out to, like, Massachusetts and Rhode Island. We had the witches, but, like, not a ton else. But um, this is our one little vampire thing, is there was, like, um, a lot of people dying of TB, and this was, like, not uncommon that... Like, you would dig up the dead relative, and the cure for this was to remove some of their body parts, like, in the stories I've heard, like, mostly the heart and sometimes the liver, and you burn them, and then you mix the ashes with water, and you drink them, and that's how you cure yourself of, like, being vampired by so your you dead lover. you cure one.
1: yourself of the TB that they gave you <laughs> while you were alive by going out in the cold, because <laughs> it's always cold here, and digging up a dead body. Of someone that died yeah. of tuberculosis. Yep, and... Uh, Eating some parts of them. I mm-hmm. guess you're going to burn it first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the burnt, eating burnt ashes is probably the most healthy part.
0: Yeah. So that's a pretty messed up one. But I like the idea of there being a cure. Um, one really, really good way to kill a vampire that I heard that um, is in some of these stories. I want to say this is like an Eastern European one. But like if you repeated, if you were able to like trap the vampire and repeat their funeral, they would uh, die. Which is like really crazy, How like I God. love the idea of just slamming the church door shut and being like, "Dearly beloved," and the vampires like, shit 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 shh, no, 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 no," you know, like <laughs> it's really good.
1: Yeah. I wonder if vampires like try to keep this stuff in, like, oh shit, some of them know to stake us. Let's yeah, not let that get out.
0: Like nobody, nobody tell know. anyone about the funeral
1: thing. <laughs> I bet they didn't want anyone to know the seed thing either. They're like, yeah, this
0: is so embarrassing. And I would oh. like to make a big PSA, like a big public PSA here, where if you're interested in hearing people list off the different types of vampires, that there's one episode of the X Files. And this is where Alyssa gets a boner. That I really like. I am erect, and I am really excited to tell you that it's um, in season five, and it's called Bad Blood. And even if you've like never watched the X Files. This isn't a plot episode, so you can totally get it, but, like, they actually do a really good job, I feel like, talking about some of the lesser-known, like, parts of the vampire myth, and it's also got, like, the best Mulder Scully dynamic of any episode that I've ever seen. It's, like, really good, (laughs) and I cannot recommend it enough, Um, even if you're not into the, like, alien colonization stuff. I'm not. I admit it. Like, I watch the plot episodes, and I know what happens on the show, but, like, Give me an episode where, like, they're just, like, the Jersey Devil, though. <laughs> like, and that's, that's my jam. Like, I'll, I'll admit it. Yeah, I but also yeah. highly recommend this episode. Highly. It's got that kid from the Sandlot. So, it's got
1: all Wilson. Think, like, <laughs> the seeds it's like his face oh yeah it's and so it was, like, good
0: the best. it's such a good episode it's, so, it's good. so good you will really enjoy it if you're interested in vampires and you have a pulse you will enjoy it a lot or not like i'm not closing the show to vampires who want to listen to it like have have fun have mm-hmm. a good time check out this episode so these are kind of the vampire myths that like bram stoker probably would have been familiar with at the time that he was writing the book and um he had some like particular influences like that he didn't write the first vampire novel um he certainly wrote what i would argue is the most influential one but um there was like kind of like a fair trend of vampire literature around at the time um there were a handful of books that came before his that were pretty similar um, one was just called the vampire and that one was published in 1819 but even that was like preceded by a bunch of poetry, like romantic ass poetry about vampires by like dudes like Lord Byron and like I just imagine them all as having really long hair that's always falling in their eyes and they just lay like, under trees all day. <laughs> like that. Yeah. You're doing like a really dramatic sweeping. She's swooping it out of her eyes. Yeah. In a really a really elegant way. Um, but, like, those, my those guys fancy were, like... poet shirt. Yeah, With like, the tight britches. Like, breeches. almost, like, a Seinfeld, like, puffy shirt.
1: Yeah, almost. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, like, that look.
1: Like- <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a 90s rendition of that. <laughs> Just too puffy. Perfect. And the velvet's
0: a little too velour. Um, you yeah. can't mix your velvet and your velour. No. I say it all the time. <laughs> um... So there was, like, some of this kicking around. Um, There was a Penny Dreadful, which is, like, um, almost like a, it's like a serial story, but it's, like, um, little pamphlets that were published in, like, the Victorian era. It's, like, a term everyone's heard, but I didn't realize it was, like, almost like a comic book, but, um, anyway, there was one called Varney the Vampire that ran for a handful of years in the mid-1800s, and it's, um, well, Varney the Vampire... (laughs) And it's um that's got some of the so like the book I talked about before the vampire was probably like the first like non corpse like attractive vampire like he seduces like a big plot point in this book is him seducing all these women and so that was kind of the that book's contribution to like where Dracula came from and then Varney the vampire which by all accounts was very bad. The people reading it
1: then were still... Or also, like, this is bad, but I can't get enough.
0: I don't know. And I don't know how popular it was either. Like, I don't know if we just, like, have made a big to-do about it in retrospect. But you said it went on for how many years? Like, a bunch. Like, I want to say, like, ten. It was, like,
1: on for a long time. Like, why would someone keep publishing for ten years? Something that no one liked.
0: So. Somebody must have liked it. That's a good point. So. What Varney has probably contributed to us is the fangs and the like the classic scene where like the woman's collar gets ripped down and there's the two the two holes the two bite marks that's like a big thing and so that that imagery probably comes from varney the vampire i don't even want to say it because it's such a rotten title (laughs) does it sound better with like a
1: cool accent because i can't do any but I, I try it, like, in a
0: cockney, because I... Oh, I can't. Oh, no, I... Like horrible. But you're like a chimney sweep. I am. I am a Victorian chimney sweep. I'm kind of disappointed that the secret of my appearance has been revealed Sorry. on episode one, but I look like a Dickensian urchin <laughs> that would offer to sweep your chimney for a hay penny, Mom. That is actually what my physical corporeal form looks almost exactly <laughs> like. Um, and, and Varney also had two important things. He had hypnotic powers. Very important. This as big. And superhuman strength. Also huge. Very big. Christopher Lee did not need that. No. He had regular ass huge man strength. I probably am jumping the gun. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun so hard right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we have that stuff. And this is really like setting the scene for Dracula. And, like, Varney has some stuff that, like, Dracula definitely does not have. Like, he's fine with garlic and crosses and sunlight. Like, he don't give a fuck. Um, The most, like, closely published, like, vampire book of any note to Dracula is this one called Carmilla, which was published in 1871 um, by a woman named Sheridan Le Fanu and it's about hot lesbian vampires, and I found out about this book today, and I have never wanted to read anything more in my entire life. Like, I cannot bear that I've never read this book, but supposedly it presents, like, this sort of, like, portrait of a vampire as, like, this more sympathetic, like, tortured, like, more human, like, something that I talk about a lot when we talk about Dracula stuff is, like, there are two kind of main schools of Dracula portrayals which is like beast Dracula and man Dracula so like beast Dracula is like a creature who's either pure evil or just like animal nature like no not immoral or moral but amoral like no moral at all like he just does what he does and he feeds and he is an animal basically and he just does his thing and he does not care and then there's like man Dracula who's like he's afflicted with a curse and he's unhappy and he doesn't like being like and he, like, suffers for it, which is really big in things like like Anne Rice's books. Yes. Like, being afflicted with this curse.
1: And so you, afflicted you with have, all of the sexy. And
0: you have to wear Just, black velvet oh, no. and sigh all oh. the time.
1: Um, unless you're Louis, and then you wear, like, brown corduroy and,
0: and sign to your books. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. So, so, um, it seems like this book, um, for a lot of people, it sounds like was kind of the origin of like the, the, the sympathetic, the vampire that you feel bad for, um, and enter, uh, enter Dracula. So these were kind of his influences. Also, he read a lot of books about, um, Transylvanian, like superstitions and like, like folklore. Like there was one book in particular, um, that was called The Land Beyond the Forest, which was by, I have it written down here, Emily Gerard. And and he, he specifically said that this book was, like, a big influence to him. And the other thing, he had originally been planning to call him Count Wampier, which is, like, <laughs> offensively stupid. Like, I feel like... And the book was originally just going to be called The Undead. And, and the idea of a book called The Undead starring Count Wampier, like... Count vampire like a count vampire with a slavic accent it's like that book nobody likes that book i feel patronized by that book like i don't like i hate it and and his big breakthrough was that he started like getting into like reading about the history of like what is now romania basically like he read this one book that i the the title is lost to me i didn't i didn't write it down but he read this one book that was published in like the mid-1800s that was about, like, the history of, like, like Wallachia and, like, Moldavia and, like, and, and their, like, deal with, like, the Ottoman Empire and, and Hungary. And, and he was reading this, and that was when he found out about Vlad III, as I like to call um, him. Vlad, Vlad III, Return of Vlad, Still Vladin is <laughs> is <it's> my <laughs> official title for him. Um, but let's talk about him a little bit. So Vlad III is... Vlad Tepish, the Vlad, Am- Haler. Vlad the Vlad the Impaler. That's the Vlad. Um, his father was Vlad too, and and he was Vlad Dracul, which was um, a name that he took because he had been and it it means Vlad the Dragon, and he had been part of this like religious military order called the Order of the Dragon, which like I won't get into too much um, at this juncture. We might talk about it a little later, um, but but he was part of the Order of the Dragon. So he was Vlad Dracul. Um, and so then his kid, Vlad Three, Vlad the Impaler, still Vladin, um, took the name Vlad Draculia, which is Vlad's son of the dragon, as his name. And actually his descendants kept using that last name, is my understanding, and there was like a whole dynasty of Draculias following that, um... And he obviously like I don't need to tell you about Vlad the Impaler. He was like really notorious for his cruelty, and putting people on spikes and putting them all outside his castle. And and it sounds like, based on the research that I've been able to do, that history at this point has kind of reversed their stance on him a little bit, and they think he probably wasn't actually that bad a dude, and that a lot of what he did was like sort pretty normal of for justified. the time. <laughs> yeah, and and like normal for the time, and like justified. Because he was dealing with, like, a lot of, like, uprising, like, underlings, like, like local warlords that just wanted to, like, unseat him all the time. And he was kind of just finally like, all right, check this out. Is this what you want? Check out all these bodies. Come at me. And, and, like, he was fighting, you know, the Ottoman Empire and the Transylvanian Saxons. And, like, just, he just had, like, a lot of war going on. And eventually it seemed like impaling people on his lawn wasn't such an unreasonable thing to do. But he was, like, in and out of power on a bunch of different occasions. And and these stories of, like, how awful he was spread really quickly. And the book that Bram Stoker wrote for sure followed this line of thinking, which was at the time that, like, it just, they, all these books had these crazy woodcuts of, like, these insane, gory scenes. And they were very sensational and they were very popular. And and talking about Vlad the Impaler as this, like, monster was, like, a big thing. And um, there was, like, even people, like, spreading poems they had written about it. And I jotted down the title of one poem that I love so much, that I love so much that I want to get it, like, tattooed on my body because it's so good. It's called Story of a Bloodthirsty Madman Called Dracula of Wallachia. It's so straightforward, but at the same time so unnecessarily florid. It's my <laughs> it's my everything. Um, but yeah, so he had heard these stories... But more than that, he, like, heard the name and was like, there it is. it's a cool name, bro. That's it. (laughs) I found it. Count Wampir. Nope. You're out. You're out. Count Dracula. Which, in my understanding, is just, like, a a kind of mispronunciation or misspelling of the name he was trying to give him, which (laughs) is Draculia. But, um, you know, spellings from language to language, especially back then, were, like, really loosey-goosey, so it kind of makes sense. Even English to English was pretty (coughs) rough. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. Um, So, yeah, so that's basically what Bram Stoker had to work with. Like, histories of of Vlad III, still Vladin, and, uh, you know, these, like, vampire myths and these Transylvanian superstitions. And he kind of, like, ground this all up into a book. And and he was, like, a theater manager at the time, but I guess it didn't pay very well, so he, like, supported himself by writing these like really trashy sensational (laughs) novels and this was to become one of them it was pretty well reviewed at the time but it was not very good seller like it seemed like people liked it and like a lot of critics liked it some didn't but like a lot of critics liked it and like um sir arthur varney it was no varney no varney to the people no varney the vampire um but like sir arthur conan doyle like came out and said what a great book he thought it was and like some other like big people but like it wasn't like a smash hit really and it wasn't like destined to become part of history until people started making movies of it really do you want to talk about what the book's about I feel like we got through this without my notes last time. I know, we did, but... We did a really good job, too. We had just, like, talked
1: about it so much during the... Because the movie was so wrong.
0: Yeah, for sure. We had been thinking
1: about it so much.
0: Um, So the book Dracula, um, it's told in, like, letters and journal entries and, like, documents. I
1: think that's also why people don't bother reading it. Because they're like, it's not a story... It's you open here. the first page, and it's like,
0: 1865, Jonathan Harker's diary, and you're like,
1: Nope. Out. <laughs> no. Out. <laughs> nope. Um, but I guess it takes a certain kind of obsession with vampires, or darkness, or weirdness, or ancient newspaper clippings to kind of keep at it. Yeah, I I remember really
0: liking it the first time I read it, and and...
1: I thought it was really cool that it was in all the different pieces because you read so many stories that are just like, here is a story, everything's kind of laid out for you. Right,
0: right, and you actually, like, see so little of Dracula, which Mm -hmm. is, like, almost makes him, like, scarier because you're kind of getting these, like, little bits and pieces about people's, like, ideas about what he's up to and everyone kind of, like guessing at it but there's just like you don't get this like omniscient narrator telling you what Dracula is doing you get like the diaries of all these people that are running around like trying to guess what Dracula is doing and so it really like I think it works for like a suspenseful mm-hmm. like, tale um but it starts out with Jonathan Harker um tra- <laughs> traveling like, i know, really why, you're yeah, this I know why you're laughing yeah character. he just ruined
1: it because forever her, her <laughs> now jonathan harker is just like you just picture the blank stare the blank blank is like insurance sales winliest. just yeah uh, oh so dim a really dim bulb
0: yeah yep and, that's fair
1: and so he is, what did we call him before? He's a solicitor, which
0: is, you said, uh, the fax, fax machine. machine. Yeah, he's a Victorian fax machine. So yes. Jonathan Harkin's a solicitor, which means he is the boy that they send to bring the form that they need you to sign halfway across the world for you to sign it and then bring it back. Yep. Um, so he is there to get some, he goes from London to 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 Transylvania with, like, stops in, in Budapest, and it's, like, you get kind of his, like, country bumpkin, like, perspective about it a little bit, where he's, like, oh, the cultures here are so strange, they put paprika on their food, (laughs) like, everything (laughs) has spices on it, (laughs) yeah, and so you get a lot of, like, diary entries like that, and then, like, there's, like, some of that, like, early foreshadowing stuff that's in every movie account, where, like, he stops in a town, and they're, like, (gasps) you're going to the castle? And they, like, hang crucifixes Mm -hmm. on him, and they're like, never speak of this again! And then they slam the door, and he's like, well, that was odd, but the local customs here is so strange. (laughs) Like, he he writes off so much as, like, just cultural, like, language barrier, like,
1: I don't know if this makes him good at his job, where he just will, like, walk blindly into any situation to get some paper signed. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, he's a very good Jackson machine. He's, <laughs> he's great.
1: He's an empty <laughs> vessel.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe Keanu Reeves was perfect. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we've been so hard on this choice, but all along, like, Jonathan Harker is Keanu Reeves. It's kind of starting to make sense. It yeah. really is. Yeah, um, I I maybe I'm coming around on this. We'll wait and we'll watch it and I'll see if I still feel like I'm coming around on it. <laughs> so so um so he gets out there and he's like Sup Drac? and uh Dracula's like really nice to him at yeah, first. He's, like have have some dinner, hang out, he's he's like very warm and he describes his like gentlemanly, like warm manners like a mm. lot. Um and, uh, so at first everything's really cool, and then he spends, like, a small eternity at Dracula's place. So long. Like,
1: it's like, I think it is, like, a month at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's a long time. For sure. He's there, and, uh, stuff just keeps getting weirder, and he just keeps yeah. thinking, oh, these Transylvanians and their interesting folk customs.
0: And he's, like, trying. You know, box trying- stores and <laughs> If, yeah, he's trying at first, like, move things along and, like, get this process done. And Dracula's just like, no, stay in my castle. <laughs> and, uh, and so eventually he kind of comes to the conclusion that he's, like, for sure can't leave. And he, even then, he's, like, not really, like, super anti-Dracula. And then at one point he, like, runs into
1: the vampire sisters.
0: babes. Vampire babes, yep. Yeah, the, the weird sisters. And uh, they're going to vamp him.
1: So hard. They're they going to
0: vamp him all
1: all over. They're going like, to He's never there. been vamped or, you know,
0: anything before. They are going to get in there and do a thorough job. And then Dracula busts in and is like, what have I told you about vamping people in my house? No. And he takes a rolled up newspaper and he hits them on the nose and he's like, no. bad, no, bad, bad. And then, uh, and then like, um, Harker's like kind of pumped on him, which is like so stupid, if I recall correctly. But then Drac takes off. Yeah.
1: Yeah
0: go into the woods or something he just like leaves and harker is stuck there alone with the ladies and that's when he like he starts getting
1: freaked out then and then what pushes him over the edge is finally like i think he's like trying to decide if he can climb out or something he looks out the window and dracula's like i forget what exactly it is but something weird and freaky like he's climbing up the side of the building yeah he like geckos down the wall
0: yeah yeah. With something in his mouth or not? I, care. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know though, but there's like a really like long scene of him like watching Dracula like crawl down this wall in a really like
1: completely inhuman just Yeah. Creepo way. And then he's like I gotta get out of here. Alright. These aren't folk customs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So <laughs> something is amiss here. I should go. Um
0: has okay. Draxine seen- Mina's picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this becomes like a big plot point is that like uh, Harker's carrying this picture of his hot ass girlfriend with him in his wallet. I actually think it's like in a frame and he like puts it up think, in his room. That yeah. might just be movies for like dramatic effect, but he's got this picture of his, his hot ass girlfriend, Mina, Wilhelmina Murray, and uh, she's like a babe. And Dracula sees this picture and he's like, hmm, I'd hit it. In fact, I'm gonna hit it. So, Harker's diary kind of cuts off with, like, him being, like, I gotta get out of here. And then you don't, like, hear from him for a while, is my understanding. And, like, during this time, like, the reason Dracula took off is because he was, like, he had, like, got all his crates of earth Mm -hmm. and, like, put him on a ship. So, like, the papers he, like, I don't know if you find this out or not yet, but at some point you find out that the papers that Harker, like, brought over there were for him to, like, buy a bunch of estates, like... Mm-hmm. in London. And so he gets, he leaves Harker, and he, like, gets all his, like, boxes of dirt packed up. And this is, like, a thing. This is a thing about Dracula that was not, to my knowledge, like, a thing about any other vampire, but he, like, got it. he gotta kick it in his own crib. And by that, I mean, like, he can't sleep in foreign dirt. He has to sleep in the Transylvania dirt, or he loses his yep. mojo. And is it in pram stoker's is, is that when
1: the uh like you, if you consecrate his dirt now it's no good to him or is that something that no does? that that I that happens
0: that does happen in the book so he's got all this dirt and he's got it packed up and there's 50 of them it's important to know in the book because this becomes a thing um so they pa- he packs up all the dirt and he's on this boat and at this point it's like ship captain logs mm-hmm being like, everybody on this boat is disappearing. Oh, God, I have to sail it by myself, dear sweet Jesus. And when the boat finally arrives, only the captain is still alive, and he says he sees, like, a huge-ass dog beast get off the boat, which establishes Dracula can be a wolf sometimes. Because it's cool. Why not? Yeah. Which raises an interesting question about how much werewolves also owed to Dracula. Hmm. Although with him I think it, it's not like a full moon thing. It's just an extra vampire bonus. Yeah, I think it's a...
1: Because were, werewolves have a whole shapeshifter whole history of their own that they come from too. And then they get kind of mashed into vampires and werewolves. And Duking were- it out werewolf. or not duking it out because they love each other. And
0: then you look at them and you're like... You guys. Now kiss, <laughs> and then they do. I think I've never seen any of the Twilight movies, but I bet they kiss.
1: I'm sure this in Twilight universe. I'm sure there's some werewolves and some.
0: I bet that. The Vampire's having have, some
1: forbidden liaison. I bet it's
0: like, are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? And it's like. Both, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so so okay so so, he's off the boat and he's like kind of getting all the boxes of earth like moved to where they like need to go to all to like the estates that he has purchased and this is when we pick up with lucy westenra she's like best friends with Mina. yes the very pure and good and virtuous engaged to keanu reeves mina harker well mina murray at mm-hmm. this point and she's like is very like sort of pure and innocent and like she's kind of shocked by her friend lucy who we pick up with now because lucy is like entertaining marriage proposals from three different dudes and she's kind of like flirting with all of them and like it's pretty tame stuff admittedly by our standards but like lucy's kind of the bad girl i think it's like yeah fair to say much better
1: than Mina. She's but yeah. she's she's not. She's playing it. She's playing it close. But she's still flirting with all of them. What mm-hmm. I actually always thought was weird. Like, they're all still best best buds. Yeah, I love they yeah, they all hang out. Like they all go to dinner parties. All of them together, and
0: I love this dynamic. So they just much. all cool with it. Like, yeah. So so all three of these dudes propose to Lucy, and these three dudes are. Arthur Holmwood, this is me pouring, noisily pouring myself another glass of wine with the most maximum volume possible to ruin the audio quality of this experience. Um, so, Arthur Holmwood, who's, like, a lord, and that's his big draw, and, um, yeah, you can kill it. Uh, Quincy Morris, who is Texan, and that's (laughs) his big draw. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, Texan, what's his, what was his first name, though? Brutus. Brutus. So, in, so good. in Bram Stoker's notes, he almost called him Brutus instead of Quincy Morris, which is just insane and beautiful, and I can't take it. Yeah. And then the third suitor is Dr. Seward, who is, um, he works at, like, an insane asylum, and it's important because it's important. It's a big deal. So all three of them propose to Lucy, and she ends up accepting Arthur Holmwood, which makes sense because she's a gold digger. She is. I'm just kidding. That's unnecessarily mean, but he is yeah. the wealthy one.
1: Yeah, I think you got to be gold digger in those days because you can't exist on your own. Right, you're lady. not allowed.
0: You're not allowed to own property,
1: so, <laughs> so you're <laughs> hoping that the person you marry does own some property, for or at people. least have enough and have enough prestige that like they don't want to get split up. So even if they do go off on their own, they'll be like, here's a cottage.
0: Just keep it, just yeah
1: for just sure. Just sit here and shut up. Take care of our kids and like right. I'm just gonna be out. Raise our son Pugsley
0: and please leave me alone. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, she ends up with, with Arthur Holmwood, and, um, but, but, but as you said, like, these dudes are all still, like, bros, mm-hmm. which is super sweet. Like, I love it. I'm really into it. Um, so, right after you find this, she, like, she starts getting direct. Totally starts getting direct.
1: A little pale, a little tired. Yeah, she's, like, getting all, like, woozy all
0: the time, and, um more hysterical than a usual victorian lady yes slightly more hysterical than your average victorian woman and uh so her new beau her new fiance calls in a doctor that he knows that you and i know that we all know sir anthony hopkins (laughs) and by that i mean dr abraham van helsing vampire killer just kidding in the book he's like just a doctor he doesn't like have a crossbow and like a cape and he's like point me to it like he it does not go like that at all he comes in as a doctor and he like examines lucy and you get the impression about him that he just like knows a little bit about everything and that's why he kind of like knows what's up with this because he like takes a look at her and is like oh shit
1: it's yeah, dad some boy. renditions isn't doesn't it? He knows this because like his wife has also also been afflicted with vampires. In some, I don't adaptations. I thought that was a thing. I don't
0: know if one. that's in the
1: book. It's I not in the book. No, I was gonna say I have I no recollection book, of that. But I think they they take that up later. As like, sure. Okay. That's but that makes little, sense. That's why he's not just a regular doctor. He's got
0: gotcha. He's some, seen. Additional he's backstory seen some Shit. So, so he sees her and, and he doesn't, like, tell them at first what's going on, but he does tell them, like, here is what you need to do. Step one, crucifixes everywhere. Step two, garlic flowers everywhere. All over the place. You need the garlic flowers on everything. And so they do this stuff, but it's, like, of mixed effectiveness. Like, Lucy, like, throws them all away and takes off the cross, and, like, her mom throws him away a different time. And so, little by little, she gets dragged to hell. That's pretty much it. At one point, like, a wolf comes in and kills her moms. And we're to understand this been Dracula the whole time. Yep. He tears off the mask and is like, it's a me, Dracula. Um, so, Lucy gets got, and eventually Lucy dies. And that's pretty much, um, that's pretty much it. Eventually Lucy dies, um, despite kind of Van Helsing's best efforts. And this is when Van Helsing lets them in on the secret because, like, some local kids are like, some lady who happens to look exactly like your dead friend was trying to lure me into the cemetery for whatever reason. Um, so this is when Van Helsing kind of rallies the boy army. Yep. Yep. And they were all, like, giving her blood transfusions, too, which I think is, like, really <laughs> gross but sweet. Um, especially the transfusion procedure back then, where um, it was, like, siphoning gas from a car. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, just, like, mason jars and
1: pumps and, like, unnecessarily large tubing. Just, like, all of the blood. Just, like... Yeah, it would take my entire body's worth of blood to fill that, that tube you got going from your arm to the jar.
0: So, he's like, hey, boys, I hate to tell you this, but Lucy, she got vamped. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, is vampire. Uh, so, so Lucy's got vamped, and so he rallies the boy army, and they go find her. Mm -hmm. She is indeed a vampire. They, like, dig her up, and they stake her. And, um... At this point, um, so we start getting into Renfield and Seward, right? Yeah, so, so Renfield is a patient of Dr. Seward who. And also Harker's associate. He's right. been
1: exposed to the draft.
0: Right, so he had Harker's job before Harker had Harker's job, and I think Harker got the promotion because Renfield was like. You no, know, the commission. Right, so Renfield is a patient at the insane asylum where Dr. Seward works. And he has earned his place there. For sure. He's doing this thing where he's collecting all these flies, and he's feeding the flies to the spiders. He's feeding the spiders to the rats. He's feeding the rats to the cats. And then he's like, I'm collecting lives for my master's return. And his master, you guessed it, our boy, your boy and mine, (laughs) Vlad Three, still Vlad, (laughs) Dracula, drop the mic. (laughs) Um, so so yeah so you get some like um some like treatment notes about renfield from like seward and like this is also when like um harker turns back up in budapest i think and he uh, mina comes out and they get married Mm -hmm. and then they come back and then they're like ready to fight vampires i guess pretty much it's gonna kind of go on a little spree there And, like, Mina ends up being pretty useful because it turns out, like, she's the one who, like, um, realizes that, like, all of their different diaries and stuff have all these little pieces of Dracula's plan. So she takes all the, like, paper trail and starts putting it all together to try and see if she can, like, learn anything. And that's, like, now that Jonathan's back, they kind of, like, figure out his plan because he was the one who was, like, selling him the property. So, like, now they can find out where all the properties are. And, um... And so now they're, like, really onto to his shit. And so she's, like, reading all these, like, vampire stories and she's, like, um, talking to Renfield. She, like, mm. goes to the, to the asylum and talks to Renfield and he's, like, moved by her purity and her beauty. Who isn't, really? It's the most Victorian not? thing I've ever heard in, like, kind of an offensive way. Like, I hate it. It is. Like, such a pure vessel for our divine lord and purity. And divine sperms. Yeah, I mean, that's what they mean. <laughs> that's what but, they mean by
1: lord, uh, pretty much. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I and then like a trollop Lucy. She got dragged. That's what happens. That is what happens when you're a trollop. She asked for it. She asked yep. for
0: it. So, basically, they're, like, trying to track down all of his, like, crates of Earth and destroy them at the behest of Van Helsing. And so they're going all around London, finding these crates, and putting holy wafers, mm-hmm. putting like communion wafers in them, and then putting the lid back on and being like, gotcha, Drac! <laughs> Come on back here, baby! Because um, he can because now, now that's God's Earth. Ugh. Um, and this is when Mina starts getting got. Yeah, She's a little tired. But Mina gets extra God because Mina drinketh of the vampire's blood. He doesn't just drink her blood he makes her drink his blood and like this scene varies in adaptation to adaptation from being a little bit overtly sexual to being extremely overtly sexual like it you think like in some adaptations sexy. it's overtly sexual and in some it's softcore pornography is basically like kind of where it goes um and in the book i'm gonna say probably pretty tame it was risky for the time, mm-hmm. but by today's standards, it was essentially that scene in the Christopher Lee Dracula where he just throws the cape over her and we're to understand that under there she's getting dragged. Um, so um, so Mina starts getting like vampired and this is where like the really iconic scene happens I love where she gets, um, she gets burnt. On the face, I'm putting my thumb aggressively on my co-host's forehead, and she's making a like a patient but exasperated face at me as I do this. If you can't see,
1: I'm just glad she doesn't <laughs> actually have a communion wafer because I would be done. Um,
0: but yeah, she gets burned, um, because like Van Helsing's trying to like exercise her basically, but like purify her, and mm-hmm. he puts this communion wafer on her, and she's like, and it burns, and she's got a little. A little barn on her head. Oh. Um, And, um, but now she has like a little like link to Dracula. Mm -hmm. A little bit of insight. And she's like, listen. And they realize that they've destroyed 49 crates of earth. And she's the one, I think, who tells them that he's trying to take off to Transylvania with the last one. Mm. And then they chase him down and there's like a big showdown. That's pretty much it. Yep. And Mina is healed when he is destroyed. It's worth noting. Yep. And there's like a little epilogue where they named their son Quincy. Quincy dies. I should I should spoil <laughs> that for you right now. I want to make a blanket statement that I have been making many times throughout this process. I'm not worried about spoiling a 150-year-old book. If you don't know how Dracula ends, please go watch any Dracula movie and come back to me. You have two hours. I'll see you in two hours. He <laughs> dies at the end. He does die at the end. But so does Quincy Morris. Um, and so, like, they named their son Quincy and, like... Um, you know, it's very sweet. And, um, and that's it. So that's the Dracula book. That's pretty much it. That's One it. thing, a couple things that I, I really like to drive home because these are the things that I always complain about. Van Helsing is not a crazy person. <laughs> In the book, he's, like, really, like, a nice old man. Like there's a it's lot a learned of learned doctor and a
1: Yeah, and a caring, like... like the the doctor vibe where you just like You'll go through a lot manner.
0: for your patients because you want them to be well. And there's, like, a lot of scenes in the book of him, like, sitting beside people's beds and, like, holding their hand and, like, being very, like, warm. And he's not, like, a crazy person who's, like, hunting monsters for his career. Like, he's mostly just a medical doctor. And he happens to have seen something like this or heard something like this before. And so he kind of knows what's going on and he's he knows what to do. But, but he's by no means, like, some crazy, like, envoy from the secret Pope to like exterminate werewolves like and this is like a big thing for me and um, there's a lot of kind of like stuff that the movies do that's like kind of common to a lot of them which is that they um they like compress a lot of the characters into one character or they get rid of characters and they kind of just smash them together
1: yeah, I hate the like, smash. Of uh Mean and Lucy when you get that smashed, you're like, I'm so confused. It doesn't make right any sense. Now. Yeah,
0: it doesn't make it like because so much of the book is in like the dichotomy between the two of them and the way they get vamped is so different and their personalities are different and like it just doesn't and how do they figure it out also, like, if you don't have Lucy to get killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, so so movie adaptations, like, there're so many. Like I wrote down this quote that I literally just lifted from Wikipedia, but I think it's like really good. Um, that says, as of 2009, an estimated 217 films featured Dracula in a major role, second only to Sherlock Holmes, who appears in 223. Wow. So, an estimated 217 Dracula movies. Um, and a lot of these two, though, it's worth noting, aren't, like, adaptations of the book. Like, we have already looked at some that don't even try. No. Um. I mean, I guess that one.
1: There are some that try air quotes giant air quotes here
0: try to follow the book but they but they really don't so the first like movie adaptation that anyone has seen that like i read some stuff about how there might have been one before this but if there was it was lost to time and it was never released um but nosferatu was like the first one which was like not authorized like they couldn't get their rights to make it from Bram Stoker's widow so they did make it anyway <laughs> and they just changed all the names and um so like that movie came out and they changed the setting to Germany which maybe that's where that comes from we saw mm-hmm. a movie that um where it was set in Germany instead of England and we couldn't figure out why you would do that but it turns out yeah it was maybe they're just lifting that from Nosferatu um and like they changed Dracula's name to Orlock, which is kind of a cool sounding name yeah I don't think it has the cachet of, like, Son of the Dragon, but mm. it's, you know, it's okay. Um, and then, like, the first licensed picture was the Bella Lugosi one in 1931. That was the first one that actually had the permission to be made, and it was adapted from an also licensed, like, stage production. Um, but in that one is the first one where they um, combined Lucy and Mina into mm-hmm. one character, so, it seems like every movie after this that does that is probably just following in the footsteps of the Bella Lugosi vehicle, which is a shame because it really confuses things, I think. Um, I think that without the, like, the two women, it really loses something. Yeah, so, I, it's just like, how does that plot, like, yeah, even for sure. work? for sure. It's very confusing, um... And then actually, like the next notable one was the nineteen fifty eight um, Christopher Lee Hammer films one, which, which we did watch. Mm-hmm. We did watch it. We reviewed it um, <laughs> in our lost tapes, which I'm thinking, I'm thinking of cutting up and like using for like promos or something. Like It'll I don't, work. I don't know exactly what we'll do with it, but just um, promos the-
1: of like fifteen to thirty seconds of just giggling and word. <laughs> vampire.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's vampire and me clapping a lot. Um um the thing about that movie, I feel like we owe it like we might not ever do it again because we already did it once and I don't think I'll have the stamina to ever do it again. So what I will say about it in the cliff notes version is that Christopher Lee is my favorite dracula he's beautiful he's perfect he's huge yes he looms in doorways and he has this like look of sadness and a little bit of boredom on his face all the time and but i would like it's just an immense presence yeah on top of
1: being like an immense physical beautiful he's mountain. Per, yeah he's yeah perfect. <laughs> I, it's I'd just 10 out of 10 would
0: climb that mountain <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That he like looms really just, well, and he's got this very good like Dracula aura. But other than that, that movie is a train so wreck. Like, so <laughs> It's a train wreck. So we're talking about, um, it was called, a, a, it was just called Dracula, uh, Count Dracula in, in England where it was originally released in the UK, but um, here it was called The Horror of Dracula, and it's a Hammer Films production. You can look it up if you want. Christopher Lee plays Dracula 11 times, though, so if you want to take a pass on that one and watch a different one. You have plenty of other options, and I'm sure we'll get back to Christopher Lee's Dracula because we can't give it up. We can't give it up because he's so beautiful and perfect. And and it's also worth noting that that is a really weird adaptation because Dracula has almost no dialogue. <laughs> and like in the book, <laughs> I am <Dracula>? he's like <laughs> yeah. In the book, he's a very like eloquent guy, and he has like yeah. a lot to say. He's and he right- like talks about the old times, and he. Oh, this is a very welcoming lord. Like, this is very something. impressed. I want to talk about the thing that I discovered today that was totally, like, over my head forever. Is that in the book, apparently, he makes it pretty clear that the Dracula... In the book Dracula is Vlad, the Impaler, Vlad III, still Vlad. Because I always thought he was just, like, an inspiration for the character. But so, like, I was aware of this monologue that happens in the book where he's, like... And I remember the old days when, when you know, we had these battles and it was a Dracula who crossed this river and it was a Dracula who, who gained this territory. It was a Dracula who won this battle. Um, and he's referring to things that were done by Vlad Three, so Vlad and Vlad the Impaler, um, sequel to Vlad II, um, Electric Boogaloo. Um, but uh, I, I always thought it was just like, like, referencing the family. But then I guess there's a later part that I was reading about today where um, where Van Helsing actually is like, oh, no, that's got to be him. Like, that is him. That's the that's the Vlad Draculia that did this thing and won this battle. And, and, and you know, so, so they make clear in the book, I guess, that it is supposed to be him, which to me is, like, a pretty wacky way to write a novel. Like, you could just rip the name and assume people will make the leap, but... No, I guess he is, which actually makes the Francis Ford Coppola extenuous added backstory Mm. make a lot more sense. It does. Which we will touch on. We are for sure. Actually, um, we should probably just, like, get out in front of this now. I think um, for the first movie that we're going to do, we're going to do it, obviously, in a separate feature. If you've made it all the way through this, like, congratulations, because I think this is probably going to be the least funny thing that we do, because there's... We're just talking like a lecture. About, yeah, we're just talking about the history and the book and it's not like we have a whole lot of like stuff to I know. If you love it as much on. as we do,
1: then you might have just not been hearing that much new stuff.
0: <laughs> right, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. That's the other thing. And I think when when I get my my butt in gear and I do the like editing and stuff, I might put this out at the same time. Mm-hmm. As the first episode, so that people who already know like what's up with Dracula can just skip it and and get into it, um, so they don't feel like kind of left out and like they have to listen to this terrible episode. Kind of terrible. No, episode. It's, it's a very, very good, we're doing a good job. Um, we're but always doing good jobs. But. I think for the first episode, I think we're planning on doing Francis Ford Coppola's 90s, 1990s uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I really like that the video case says Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula because it's just like, it's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of possessives in there. Um, and part of the reason that we chose that is because when we, we, we originally started coming out of the gate doing this Christopher Lee picture... We, like, still couldn't stop talking about Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. It's, like, so
1: ingrained in our hearts and our minds. And even here, we started, we're all, like, Keanu,
0: Harker. Yeah, like, like just using the name Anthony Hopkins and the name Van Helsing interchangeably. Yep. Um, And, um, yeah, so I think that's going to be our first pick, so you have that to look forward to. As I say, I plan on probably releasing them at the same time um, so you probably will be hearing this, and if you are, you will probably already have that episode available to you, um, so go ahead and, uh, and, and check it out, I think it's gonna be a hoot, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun, we both have a very passionate love-hate relationship with that movie, so I oh, think you know, I'm, like,
1: so psyched to watch it right now.
0: Yeah, it's, like, it's gonna be really fun, so, um, I don't know, do you have anything else you want to add, or? Uh, I just,
1: I'm kind of, like, right now, I just want to get off the podcast and go watch Princess mm. <laughs> yeah. Ford Copola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, so actually... Right now, I want to see me some sexy Gary Oldman.
0: Oh, my God. Ten out of ten. Wait, I yeah. can't give everyone ten out of ten, though. <laughs> I have to have another scale where um, I, like... I... Well, we, we'll,
1: ha- we'll find some not as sexy Draculas because we can do ten oh. out of ten Christopher Lee, ten out of ten Gary Oldman, yeah. and then some... I think it's,
0: like, eleven out of ten Christopher Lee, ten out of ten Gary Oldman. <laughs> There are some things I don't like about Gary Oldman's portrayal, but we're going to get into that. So yeah. What we're we'll just, actually going to do right now is we are going to wrap this up. We are going to chug this wine, and we are going to go watch Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Keanu Reeves' Dracula, and and we're gonna we're gonna check back in and probably bang out another episode. So <laughs> look forward to hearing from us again soon, and uh, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, on that note, I'm going to leave you with. Another Transylvanian accent. Just kidding, I'm not gonna do it this time. Oh. You're gonna do it this time. Uh, uh. The children of the night, what sweet music.